Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Now here's Pastor Josh Butcher with today's message. I've been wrestling all week with how to start this message. Um, I don't know if if you're familiar with a, a lot of preacher kind of uh, techniques, but one of the things that they teach us, one of the things that you pick up in conferences and, and coaching is that at the beginning, you want to get everybody on the same page. You want to create what they call common ground. You know, you want to introduce a problem that everybody identifies with. You want to get everybody on the same page. And I've been trying to think all week how to do that. And I got to tell you, I still don't know. And so here's what we're going to do. Here's how we're all going to get on the same page. I'm just going to tell you uh, the, the, the title of today's message, and then we're just going to jump into the Bible and have almost like a Bible study, if that's cool. So uh, in the Speak Revival series, the first week we asked, you know, um, how, how does revival begin? And then we looked at how is it re- uh, sustained? How is it continued? Last week, we asked the question, what's the heartbeat? What's the driving kind of energy behind revival? And today I want to I talk to you for just a few minutes on this idea. And if you're, if you're taking notes, you want to write this down, that's cool. When revival becomes unstoppable. That's what I want to talk to you for just a few brief moments. When revival becomes unstoppable. If you have a Bible, open up to Mark chapter 10. Uh, We're going to look at a story of a guy named Bartimaeus. Uh, Those of you who grew up in Sunday school or going to Awanas or vacation Bible school, you may be familiar. This is not an uncommon Bible story. Oh, oh, blind Bartimaeus. You probably know him like that, like blind Bartimaeus. We know him by his affliction, which a lot of people in your life know you by your dysfunction too, but we won't say what it is because it would embarrass you in church. So we're just going to uh, pass beyond that. If you don't have a Bible with you, a, a physical copy of the Bible, uh, you can access today. Uh, you just, just pull out your smartphone uh, and you can you can read scripture right there on your smartphone. So it's just, it's just real easy. If somebody, if you don't have a smartphone with you, borrow the person beside of you, okay? All right, here we go. Mark chapter 10. You're just going to have to trust me on this if you don't have any of those because it's not going to be on the screen. Uh, Here we go. Mark chapter 10, verse 46. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city. Okay, pause right there. So here's the scenario. Jesus rolls up with his crew to this town called Jericho. And then the next sentence, literally in the space between the period and the word as, Jesus and his followers accomplish whatever they were meant to accomplish in Jericho because the very next sentence, it says, then they came to Jericho as Jesus and the disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city. So they've showed up. The posse showed up. They, they went to the party. They went to the, to the house they were going to go visit. They went to, uh, to, to teach on the Sabbath. We don't know what Jesus was doing in Jericho, but we know that Mark doesn't think it's important to mention it at all. Just that Jesus came to Jericho, and now he's leaving. And on his way out, Mark says, there's a blind man whose name's Bartimaeus. And then, and then Mark tells us in this parenthetical statement, which means son of Timaeus, Bar, son, Timaeus, I guess that's his dad's name. So Bartimaeus is the son of Timaeus. And, and Mark says that he's sitting by the roadside begging. Jesus has, has, has come to Jericho, this, this miracle worker, 
This guy who has, who has, who has healed countless people. This guy who, is, who has cast demons out of people. Who, is, who, who will eventually uh, speak to his friend Lazarus and raise him from the grave. This Jesus has come to Jericho, but now he's leaving. And on his way out, on the side of the road, there is this blind guy. His name is Bartimaeus. Who is, who, who is Bartimaeus? Like, like, who is this guy? Well, on the surface, he's just a blind beggar. I mean, he's nobody. Uh, he, he's just your, your run-of-the-mill, average uh, beggar on the side of the road who's got something wrong with them that makes it incapable for them to, to work or to make a living. He's just, he's just a beggar. He, really, he's nobody, okay? He's a, he's a nobody on the side of the road. If we dig a little deeper, Bartimaeus, this is what Mark tells us. Mark tells us he's the son of Timaeus. That's it. Like, that's, the, that's his claim to fame. He's blind, and he's the son of this guy named Timaeus. And I started looking at that. I was like, I think there's something a little bit deeper here for us to discover. Who is Timaeus? Well, we have no idea who Timaeus was, but the name Timaeus is the Latin version, Latinized version of the Greek word tamao, which is the word for honor. So here's the scene. Jesus and his crew have rolled up into Jericho. They're leaving town. They're walking this road out of town. And on the side of the road is the son of honor who's in a most unhonorable position. Maybe that describes your life today. Maybe you feel like you were meant for more than the life you're living right now, but you find yourself on the side of the road and you feel like you're begging. You thought you would be further than this today. You thought you were meant for great things. You thought you were the son or the daughter of honor, the son or daughter of something wonderful, but you find yourself in the exact opposite situation. This is, Bartimaeus is the son of honor. But he's begging on the road. He's meant for honor. He's meant for greatness. His name means that he is the son of a great man. But he's begging on the side of the road. And maybe that, maybe that describes how you feel. You, you, you feel. And on top of that, right, like Jesus is leaving town, <laughs> Jesus is on his way out like, like Bartimaeus had his shot. Jesus came to his town, but now Jesus is leaving. Maybe, maybe you feel like you had your chance, but you missed it, or you blew it, or you didn't, you didn't seize the opportunity when you had it. And now, not only, is, not only are you still sitting beside the road begging, but Jesus is on his way out. He's moved past you. He's moved beyond you. You thought maybe Jesus is coming to town. Man, that's going to be awesome. But now he's gone and I'm still begging on the side of the road. Well, Mark goes on to tell us, he says, verse 47, when he heard, because there was nothing wrong with his hearing, right? He couldn't see, but he could hear. So when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, when he heard that it was this miracle worker, when he heard when it was this, this guy who took impossible situations and made them a reality, when he heard this, he began to shout. And he said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. 
When, when, when blind Bartimaeus, when his ears picked up that Jesus was near, his mouth responded in faith. When his ears, because there was nothing wrong with his ears, when his ears heard that Jesus was close, he refused to sit there passively like so many people do in church. And I come to church, I've been in church a long time, and I've seen people after person after person after person who I know what's going on in their life. And when Jesus comes by, they sit there passively. They refuse to, they refuse to activate what is working to affect what's not working. They just sit there. But Bartimaeus isn't going to do that. He's not just going to sit there when Jesus is close. He's going to... He's going to activate. He, he, he's not going to be inactive when the opportunity of a lifetime is about to pass him by. Verse 48. Many rebuked him because Jesus travels with a big crowd. It says many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. The crowd does what the crowd always does. The crowd will always find the passionate person and tell him to shut up. The crowd will always find the passionate person. And because of their passion, it makes their passionless life exposed. So they have to do something to this guy who's crying out. They try to tell him to be quiet because his passion is proof of their apathy. His passion is proof that they're not willing to step out and take a chance. They're not willing to activate their faith and see if by chance Jesus can do something miraculous for them. But Bartimaeus does what passionate people do. He, he, he cries out. And, and the crowd labels him as a fanatic. And the crowd labels him as extreme. And it says you don't have to worship that way. You don't have to sing that loud. You don't have to raise your hands. You don't have to jump when Jesus gets near. And Bartimaeus says, I'm not interested in your perspective. Because Jesus is close. And the more they tell him to shut up, Bart just gets more determined. More and more determined. And he, Jesus, son of David, Jesus, son of David. And then look at this. If you have a Bible, look at the next, look at the next verse, verse 49. Jesus stopped. Blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, the son of honor, a blind beggar on the side of the road, made God stop in his tracks when he cried out to him. Just think about that for a second. This nobody. Nobody from nowhere. Jesus was leaving town. He, he, he wasn't really interested in, in another uh, appointment. He was, he was on to his next stop. And yet there's this sound coming from somewhere that makes Jesus sit up and take notice. Have you ever wondered if your prayer and your praise get God's attention? Let me ask you, that's not a rhetorical question. Are you crying out to God in such a way that God takes notice of your prayer? Are you, are, 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 you, are you engaging God in worship in such a way that God in heaven says, Hold on, y'all, be quiet. Hush up over there. Somebody's crying out. Jesus stops everything. He, he, he stops for one man who everyone else is trying to silence. And Jesus stops and look what happens. Verse, verse 49, Jesus says to him, he says, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet. They're still a little demanding of him, but at least they're, 
Their attitude has changed, which is really important to understand in life. You cannot, you cannot base your life and your identity and your self-worth on the applause and the, and the attitude of the crowd around you. You can't do it. You see, it took me, I've been, I've been a, 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 a doing this, like a lead pastor preaching almost every Sunday morning now, I think for like five years. And it took me a while to understand that I cannot base my self-worth on how you receive the word. Because the crowd is fickle and the crowd is shifty and the crowd will turn on you. The crowd will tell you to shut up one minute and then say, cheer up the next. So you can't you can't base your walk on uh, with with Jesus. You cannot you cannot base your um, uh, your 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 um, self-esteem, your 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 you can't base your praise on the applause of the crowd around you. Some of you have the wrong crowd around you, by the way. I know you, I know, I, listen, listen, now let's just get real. I know and I see on Facebook some of the friends, and your friends are not pointing you to Jesus. Hello? They're not, they are not encouraging your walk with Christ. You see, a good friend in this situation would have grabbed Bartimaeus and said, Bartimaeus, shout louder. I don't know if he heard you. Bartimaeus, cry out. Matter of fact, Bartimaeus, let me take you by the arm and I'll walk you in front of Jesus because you can't see. But some of your friends, listen to me, this isn't in the notes, this is free right here. Some of the people in your circle, some of the people in your crew are trying to tell you to shut up, pipe down, you need to settle down, you don't need to get that fanatical and that extreme for Jesus, you just need to hold on and, and just be normal. And you're like, I'm not interested in being normal. I'm interested in seeing Jesus do the impossible in my life. Some of y'all need to change your crew. You get different people in your life. All right. Here, here we go. Jesus hasn't completely left yet, so he stops. He says, Bartimaeus, come on. Verse, verse 50. Throwing his cloak aside. Which, by the way, real interesting tidbit, uh, his cloak, because he was a blind man, basically he would take his cloak off, lay it on the ground, and when people would give him money, they would put it on the cloak. So when he throws his cloak aside, it's an act of faith saying, listen, Jesus has called me. I already know he's going to take care of this. I don't need the thing I've been leaning on anymore. Isn't that amazing? That's really cool. All right. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. <laughs> of course he did. What else are you going to do? Like Jesus called you like, all right, cool. He, he, he goes to Jesus and, so, and, and he says, look at this, this is cool. He says he jumped to his feet because there wasn't anything wrong with his feet. There wasn't anything wrong with his mouth. See, that's what I'm saying. That's what faith is. Faith is activating the thing that is in your life to affect the thing that is not. Faith is, is there's nothing wrong with my feet, so I'm going to get up. Faith is there's nothing wrong with my mouth, so I'm going to cry out. So by chance, he might hear me and affect my vision, affect my sight. And so faith isn't trying to do everything on your own. It's trusting that after you've done everything you can do, God steps in and does what only he can do. Faith, faith understands that God is not looking for perfection, but participation. God wants you engaged on whatever level and in whatever facet you are able to engage with him. God wants you to engage with him, to use what is in your life to, to attract the presence. You see, God is attracted to participation, not perfection. God isn't looking around for the, for the person who's got it all together. God is looking for the person who's crying out to him. 
who's willing to participate in the activity of drawing him into their lives. So Bartimaeus jumps to his feet because you don't procrastinate when Jesus tells you to, tells you to come here. You don't, you, don't, you don't procrastinate when the possibility of a miracle is right in front of you. And then look at this. Jesus asks Bartimaeus a question. Verse 51. And this question has been working me over all week, right? Because this, this, this is the question that I think, that I think we, we think we know the answer to, but, but I'm not quite certain that we do. Look what he says. He says, verse 51, What do you want me to do for you? <laughs> Can you imagine if the creator of the, the one through whom creation came into being looked at you and said, okay, you got my attention. Now, what do you want me to do for you? Can you imagine? Like, like I imagine Bartimaeus is like, well, yeah, duh, Jesus, I'd like you to fix my eyes. But, but I, I'm, just, I'm just trying to sit with that question like, oh my gosh, the creator is giving him face time and he wants to know about you. He wants to know about Bartimaeus. Little nobody, nothing, blind Bartimaeus. Little son of honor sitting beside the road begging Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus, what do you? You got my attention. Now, what do you want me to do? For you. You know, that question, that's an intense question because, because it's a lot more than just I'd like to see. I mean, that's what Bartimaeus is going to say in verse the rest of verse 51. He's going to say, Jesus, I want to see. But there's so many levels to that question. Because if, if Jesus heals Bartimaeus of his blindness, now Bartimaeus has to deal with the consequences of his healing. What's that mean? It means Bartimaeus, you can't beg on the side of the road anymore, bro. You're going to have to work because Jesus is taking care of your infirmity. Are you ready for that? Are you ready for, for God to do the thing in your life that, he's, that he wants to do and that you've been asking him? Because if he does, you realize everything changes. Like some of you are like, God, I need a financial breakthrough. You understand when he gives you the financial breakthrough, he's going to expect you to be generous. Amen. Are you ready for the miracle when it comes? God, I want you to heal my marriage. You understand that when he does, you've got to be prepared to lay down uh, some hobbies, to lay down some, some ways that you spend your time in order to spend time with your spouse. Are you ready for God to do that? What, what, what do you want me to do for you? We think we know the answer to that question. But you know what I've discovered? We don't. Not only do we not know the implications of receiving the answer that we think we want, we don't even know what we want him to do. Because so many of us are living just average, small-minded lives that when Jesus shows up and says, I'm here, what do you want me to do for you? We're, we're dumbfounded. I, I, I don't know. And then when we ask, we ask so small. And so beneath the omnipotent power of the creator of the universe, we ask something that we could do on our own. And I think we, sometimes I think we don't hear Jesus ask this question because he knows when he asks and we answer, we're going to tell him something that we could do on our own. And he's like, well, you don't need me for that. What, what do you what dreams do you have that if that, that they're, they're so large that if God does not affect them, they do not happen? What prayer? Some of us pray prayers 
that are so small and so, I don't, I don't, I don't want to offend, like if you're praying, that's really cool, okay, that's awesome, but, but I, I think sometimes God is a little bored by our prayer life. Now I lay me down to sleep, Lord, I pray my soul to keep, if I die before I wake, Lord, take my soul away. It's good, amen, all right. Are you praying prayers that gets God's attention? Are you praying prayers that makes God sit up and take notice? Are you praying prayers where God says, now that's something I got to get into because they can't do that on their own. What, what do you want me to do for you? Bartimaeus answers. He says, Rabbi, I, I, I want to see. I love this part because, because Bartimaeus knew, and he, he knew that it was greater than his vision because he wanted to see. He didn't just want to see, he wanted to see, you know what I mean? Like, he didn't just want to see physically, he wanted to see. There's a certain, there's a certain level of this question that's, God, I want to see what only you see. I want to see what you can do in my life when I submit myself to you. What, what do you want me to do? For you, this, this is in a way the question that begins revival. It's a question that, that begins the, the work of revival in our lives that we're, that we're seeking God to do. God, I want you to do something for me. God, there are these things in my life that, 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 that I'm powerless to do on my own. Bartimaeus was blind. He could do nothing about that. He couldn't get a fancy pair of glasses. There were no contacts to cure his blindness. There was no surgery to fix his eyeballs. He was blind and he couldn't do anything about it. So God, I want, I want you to do what I cannot do. There are things we can do and we should do. We can educate ourselves. We can, we can be good. We can be kind people. We can try to be successful, but you and I have spiritual and physical needs that need God to get involved in order for the situation to change. You and I need forgiveness of sin. We cannot change that on our own. We cannot forgive ourselves. You and I, we need, there, there are those of you in the room, you're going through a difficult situation right now and you need peace and you've tried everything that you can do and no peace comes. You need God, there are those of us who are going through hurt that will not be healed unless God does something miraculous. There are those of us who are walking through fear and anxiety and depression. And unless God gets involved and lifts that off of your shoulders, you will battle that for the rest of your life. There are those of us in the room who are so spiritually thirsty because we recognize that God's got more for us than we see right now. We feel like we're sitting on the side of the road watching Jesus pass us by and we want to be part of his crew. And so we're sitting there, we're hungry and we need something more than this life. And this is when Jesus asks us, okay, what do you what do you, what, what, what do you, what do you, what do you want, what, what, what do you, what do you want, what do you want, what, what do you want Jesus to do for you, what, what do you want, what do you want, what do you want Jesus to do for you? Isn't it time? Isn't it time we see what God can do? 
Like, we've seen what I can do. We've seen what you can do. We've seen what your mom can do. We've seen what your grandma can do. I'm not interested in that. I want to see what God can do. Don't, don't you want to see what God can do? Or are you willing to live your life and tell your grandchildren, well, here's what God could have done if I would have cried out, participated? If I would have responded when he was close by, if I would have if I would have activated the faith that I had to affect the, the vision that I wanted, the time to see what God can do. Look, look, look what happens. Of course, this is the part that's like the real kind of uh, uh, high, highlight of the of the whole thing. Verse fifty-two. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Bartimaeus gets his sight back. That's awesome. Like, that's just really cool. Like, blind Bartimaeus is no longer blind Bartimaeus. He's just Bartimaeus. He, didn't have the, he doesn't have the, the adjective in front of his name anymore. He's, he's good. But, but there's something else here. Immediately, he received his sight. And then look at this. He followed Jesus along the road. I've been... I've been trying to figure this out all week. I've been wondering, why did Bartimaeus follow? Like, it says, Jesus, Jesus told him to go. Jesus said, go, Bartimaeus, you're good. I've taken care of your, your issue, Bartimaeus, you're fine. Go. And I've been wondering, why? Why did Bartimaeus follow Jesus? Why are you here? <laughs> why, why are you here? Today, at this church, in this movie theater, why are you here? Why are you following Jesus? Look, what's the point? What do you want? What do you want? Bartimaeus had already received what he needed. So why is he following? Bartimaeus had already seen what God could do for him. Bartimaeus already had the question answered. What do you want to do? What do you want me to do for you? I want to see. Okay, good. You can see. And I've been wondering, why? Why is Bartimaeus following? And I don't know. I don't know Bartimaeus. But as I sat there just kind of thinking, okay, what if I was Bartimaeus sitting there? Jesus heals my eyes and he says, go. And I'm like, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going with you. Why would I do that? And so this isn't what Mark tells us. I don't have any like scripture that says, here's what Bartimaeus was thinking. I'm just guessing here, okay? But when I wonder, like, why is he going? I thought, Bartimaeus already saw what God could do for him. I wonder if he's following Jesus to see what Jesus will do for them. And I started thinking about that. I'm like, wait a second, that's, that's kind of how I feel. Like, God... God, God, if you never do anything for me again the rest of my life, you've already done way more than I deserve. I don't follow you because I need something 
from you again. You've already changed my life. God, I'm excited to see what you're going to do in them. I want to be there. I want to be there when He heals you. I want to be there when He puts your marriage back together. I want to be there when your son or daughter calls you and says, Mom, I just gave my life to Jesus. Thank you for praying for me for so many years. I want to be there. Don't you want to be there? Don't you want to be there when Jesus does the impossible? Not for you. He's already done it for you. I want to be there when He does it for them. And by chance, if I'm following Him, maybe what He does for them, He'll do through me. (laughs) Maybe if I follow Him, He'll put me in a position that I can see Him work through my life to affect change in them so that when I show up, I can say, what do you want? Not me, because i got no power. What do you want Him to do for you? And then the prayer of faith is prayed, and God does the impossible. When He lifts your depression, I want to be there. When he, when, he, when, he, when he heals your broken back, I want to be there. covers up the hurt of the pain and the abuse that you had as a child and for the first time in years you can smile and you feel like you found a place to belong. I want to be there. Because right, I want to see not what God can do through me. Not what God can do for me. I want to see what God does for you. And maybe He'll do it through me. See, I'm not not following Jesus. I'm not following Jesus to see what He's going to do for me. Because the prayer, the prayer is this, and y'all can y'all can, can come in a little bit more. The prayer is this. What did Jesus teach us to pray? He said, He said, our Father in heaven holy is your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth here now not sometime in the future not tomorrow here and now God your kingdom come your kingdom of healing your kingdom of righteousness your kingdom of forgiveness, your kingdom of welcome, your kingdom of of sacrifice, your kingdom come here and now. No sin, no shame, nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Nothing can separate you. Why don't you just act like you enjoy it? Stand up this morning. See how you hear.
appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell and we'd love to hear yours. Please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to support the ministry of Vertical Church financially, you can do so by clicking the giving link at verticalchurch.tv. Thank you again for taking the time to join us as we point those far from God to life in Jesus.